Welcome, welcome, folks. I see we got some folks in the chat. I'm Nick at Printavo. You got Matt at Printavo. We're going to wait to get started for just a few minutes. Let folks uh, get in, get comfortable. Great to see folks. Richard's from Michigan. Hey, Richard. What's yeah, up? Richard Greaves. What's up, brother? Long time no see, man. Thanks for joining us. Always good to see Mr. Greaves, somebody I've looked up to for years. Great guy. Awesome. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for coming. Jason's here. What's up, Jason? We've got Luke on a screen. Oh, he's gone, but he'll still be hanging around. <laughs> Luke's helping <laughs> us in the chat. Luke's our content manager at Printavo. So claps for him. Uh, who else we got here? Jason, where are you from? We'll get you a squeegee keychain for sure, man. Yeah, just shoot me an email. Nick at Printavo.com, really easy. We'll get you one for sure. Can I get one of those to, to put? Uh, okay, I'm going to email nickerpertalo.com too. I work here. I don't even have one of those squeeze. Give me one of those. Sure can, Matt. We can get you one of those, no doubt. Uh, we actually found somebody's keys because they had a Printavo squeegee on it. Nice. They were at a park. Rule. You, you notice those, you're like, mm, I'm going to take care of these now. Fellow printer, we got to look out for our, our own. That's right. It's key insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more minute here before we dive in. Feel free. We got 22 people here. Tell us where you guys are from. You can tell from the way I'm talking. I'm from Chicago. I live out in Glendale now, though. Glendale, California. Matt's out in Chicago. Where are you guys from? I don't have, I don't have the accent like he does, but I'm also <laughs> from Chicago. But I can turn it on a little bit if I need to. <laughs> what up, Steve? Steve from Printavo's here. He's in Chicago. Oh, Richard, the great Matt. I I wish the great the great Richard trying with with Matt trying to be him. So I uh, thank you for that heck of a compliment. We got Russ here too from San Bernardino. That's right by me, Russ. Not too far at all. Rubbing it in, California folk. Rubbing it in. Oh, Horror Park. What up? Shout out Bravo to Jess. Fresh yep. from Milwaukee. Fresh move. What up, Jess? What up, Jess? And then Orland Park for Jason. We got two Printavo employees out in Orland, Kelly and Kim. Um, awesome. Oh, thank you, Luke, for sharing that interview with Richard. Everybody go check that out. If you don't know who Richard Greaves is, you need to go find out now. So go check that YouTube link and, and learn from one of the masters himself. Yes. We'll save the watch later because I think we should kick it off, Matt. What do you say? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Okay, so my name is Nick Printavo, as I said. I've worked at Printavo for almost three years now. I'm on the sales team. We call it the onboarding team. Uh, there's a good chance if you bought Printavo, you might have bought it for me or one of the other folks on the onboarding team. And what we were talking about in the last month is we noticed a really amazing influx of new printers in the industry. And it's really cool to see uh, people getting started, people switching to printing full time. But we also wanted to engage those folks and start talking to them, start talking about what we've seen in the industry, start talking to them about Printavo and how we can help. And uh, that's why we started Printavo University. So thank all of you for being here. This is our first one. And what we're trying to accomplish in a matter of speaking is get your shop to grow. We want, you know, this is for people just starting out, but it's also for people who've been in business for a while. We want to talk about strategies to grow your business. 
And to do that, I can think of no better person than Matt from Printavo. He's been in the industry for a long time. Matt, give us an intro. Tell us about yourself. Hey, folks. All right. So, yeah, I've been printing for going on about 20 years now. Started off when I was a teenager. Um, and then I've been doing it professionally, I'd say, for a little over a decade. Uh, was lucky enough at a young age to be able to run a large production warehouse production facility, uh, eight autos, six manuals. Did that gig for about five years, uh, just burning the oil everywhere I could to get through those days and hustling and bustling. Uh, really in the deep end to start off with, went from printing in a basement to running a big facility like that. Uh, then was lucky enough to spend six years as a uh, uh, consultant and supplier of screen printing equipment and supplies. Uh, so spent six years going into small shops and big shops alike uh, and got to work with, with customers where they were, right? Um, I loved that gig just because it gave me the opportunity to, to see growth at every level and see uh, the excitement in that growth at every level and then learn from people that I looked up to and share that knowledge. Um, the opportunity to come work for Brentavo uh, just presented itself and it was one of those no-brainers in a career where it's like, I get to go back and do what I love to do, which is share and learn every single day. So I've actually only officially worked for Printavo for, man, Nick, two months, I think. Um, but I've worked with Printavo for going on four years. I think I'm one of the only people that works for Printavo that's actually been to all the Print Hustler conferences. I've been to every single one of them. I was a speaker at the second one. Um, so, yeah, I, I we were talking about this. Nick brought the idea up. and. I couldn't think of a better better way to do this. One of my uh, passions is teaching um, and teaching screen printing. So the idea behind this when Nick presented it was like, oh oh man, a safe a safe space to do this and learn together and work together is huge. Of course, we know there's Facebook, there's Instagram, all those places, and they're great. They oftentimes they'll get convoluted with opinions and negativity, and you're like, why would you ask a dumb question? Well, this is an open, safe space to ask those dumb questions. Let's get into the nitty gritty and let's have some fun with this. And we're going to be lucky enough to, as we go, have bigger and better guests and be able to bring people in and get different insights on how to help your shop grow. So I'm stoked to be here. I'm excited you all could be here. This is going to be the best. Yeah, totally. Um, we do want to learn a little bit about more about the folks who are here. We have a poll going. It's asking how long you've been printing. Did you just start? Is it your first year or are you growing? Have you been printing for two or more years? We'd love to hear your answer to that. It looks like it's in the chat, so pop over if you can. Um, but Matt, with all that in mind, it sounds like you work in shops, big or small. And I'm kind of curious if you could just run us through what a typical day is like for a printer in either a big shop, a small shop. What is it like to be a printer day to day? Oh, man. Well, the one thing that I will tell you you have in common, whether you run a small shop, you're the only one there, or you run a large shop, is you're busy and you're pulled in a million different directions and you have to really get good at hitting a fork in the road and just going left or right and committing to it. So if you're a small shop, you a lot of times what that day looks like is you're just batching different, different uh, processes, right? So a lot of times I work at small shops, it's they, they might have, okay, maybe I only print on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then Friday's a full cleanup day, and then Monday is a sales day, and they go about it that way. Uh, a lot of people like to not do large batches, like to have micro-batching. They might say, like, the first thing I'm going to do in the morning is get on my emails, respond to emails, do some quotes. Then I'm going to go ahead and spend an hour making films. Then I'm going to image those screens, and then I'm going to end my day with two hours of printing and kind of do a loop like that. Either way, you're incredibly busy. 
it doesn't get a whole lot better per se when you get to be in a larger shop. So I've been lucky enough to run a few shops and it's, it's great. You're pulled many, many directions too. Instead of having to be like, okay, I have to go over here and do some reclaiming today. It might be, oh, I have to go over here and fix the schedule to make sure it's profitable to cover payroll. Or I've got to go work with an employee to figure out an issue they're having, or I've got to go figure out how to cover so-and-so who called off today. Right? So, Either way, it all comes down to if you're running a print shop, big or small, you're getting really, really good at being fluid, being able to kind of roll with the punches and react appropriately to get things done. And I've seen shops that are run by guys that are phenomenal at this, and I've seen large shops that are run by people who are not good at this. And you can really feel that difference in the culture, too, based on how well they are at taking a punch and being resilient to come back with positivity and still getting things done. Totally. Totally. It sounds like the your passion for printing is is really clear. So I'm gonna ask you a hard question. What's your favorite part? What's your favorite part about printing and running a shop? Why do you why have you been doing this for 20 years? Hard question. That's a, that's the that's the best softball I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. Um, <laughs> my favorite part about screen printing is honestly just the the physical aspect, right? It's so easy to get stuck in the mindset of like, oh, I'm just I'm just printing some shirts for so and so. Well, that can be the case, but you're also an artist, right? Maybe you're not the one who actually penned to paper or uh, stylist to tablet nowadays, right? Um, maybe you're not that, that person that did that, but they're entrusting you with what, they've, what, what their mind's eye has seen to actually put that ink to substrate and create a tangible in the three-dimensional realm, right? If you're looking at a monitor, they made a design that's in 2D that looks great, but what's that gonna look like when it gets onto the shirt, what's that real tangible? What's that, what's that physical art piece look like? So getting to be a press operator or be a screen printer is an artistic avenue, right? You're the one that has to make that look good. Your decisions when it comes to your screen count, uh, your, your squeegee pressure, your speed, your angle, the durometer, all those things greatly affect what that finished print's gonna look like. So end of the day, you are an artist, whether you think you are or not. So for me, the best part about screen printing from day one till today is having that pride in knowing I'm making art. That's awesome. I, I was talking to Matt earlier in the week. Matt, I, do you have any prints that kind of really exemplify that? Is there any particular shirt in your mind that stands out as an example of that? So I've been lucky enough to do a lot of really, really awesome art prints. They don't, they don't stick with me the same way as the ones I'm going to show you. So I've done a lot of really, really high-end uh, 14, 15, $16 SIM process. The shop I used to run was really, really well-known for incredible four-color process work, which for those of you who have done that know how much a pain that can be on top of underbasing. Um, but the shirts that, for me, uh, still stand the test of time for, like, I am probably the most proud of those are getting to print these bad boys. Back when the Hawks won, I've got a couple of them, right? These things are from 13, I think. Um, so getting to print these, it's one of those things where still to this day, I'm walking down the road and I see somebody wearing them, right? Is a chance it might've come from some another shop, but not likely in Chicagoland, right? I was running the, one of the larger uh, contract shops in Chicagoland with Adidas in-house. And we had, we had the, with the game on, we're watching it, we're set up on press, waiting, just waiting for the, the go-to to print those. So getting to be a part of what turned into like a 30-hour workday for me without going home or getting any real sleep at all um, is still 
one of the most memorable experiences of my life. Being able to be a part of that Chicago culture, right? The Blackhawks, the boys, they did it. So getting to, and I got to do it more than once because we, we had a, a great team, right? The third time they won, I was no longer running that shop. So I got to actually watch the games and be like, oh yeah. <laughs> and then have a couple of drinks as opposed to being like, oh yeah, get to work. Um, but still to this day, I have such pride in, in, in knowing I got to be a part of that that experience in, in my city, my town, um, and be a part of it. So they they still, that's why I've still got them. I'll, I'll never get rid of them. Hey, no, man, I'm, I'm a Hawks fan, and I know that logo, you know, has like, what, seven colors in it? It's, it's a, a- Nine, nine. So- How'd you do yeah. that? <laughs> well, so yeah, that logo, there's nine spot colors in there. Um, so yeah, it's a great question. I mean, traditionally you have to have a press big enough to do that. Right. Um, I got creative. Um, and so what I actually did is I was on the automatic press. Uh, I went ahead and I took two smaller flood bars, put them in there, leaving a little bit of a gap in the middle. And then I just cut out a little notch in that squeegee, built a tape bridge. And then I could actually do the feathers in, in the, the headdress and I could put a Pantone here and a Pantone here and have them be able to print at full capacity without them ever mixing by notching out that squeegee and flood bar. So I was able to knock out all the, the feathers two at a time per one screen, which if I was doing a, a standard run, I wouldn't have cared much for that. I had presses big enough to do that. But when you're trying to crank out thousands and thousands and thousands per hour and you've got semi trucks pulling up, waiting for their 10,000 pieces to go to the sporting goods store to be sold the next morning and it's 1 a.m., You've got no options but to think outside the box and get 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 things done right um so yeah that's actually a really good question we had some presses big enough for the nine color spot color um then i had presses that were not big enough and i still made sure to get a nine color print off those presses to keep them turning and burning yeah very cool you can kind of see that correlation between having to do the art and having to do the practical jumping around being nimble being ready to do for anything in, in just that, that story. So yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I feel like a lot of folks watching might not be, uh, you know, ready for printing a Hawks shirts just yet. Let's, let's not just only talk about the roses. What are some of the thorns? What's, what's your least favorite part about managing shops and, and making decorated apparel? Uh, so the, Least favorite part, or I think the, the hardest part, the pain point, right, is managing the expectations of the customers, right? Mm -hmm. That oftentimes doesn't really matter what size shop you are, big or small. That tends to be one of the harder pain points. Um, so there's that whole saying, right? The customer's always right. Well, when the customer needs to think he's right, the customer's right. But oftentimes the customer is uneducated and uh, blissfully ignorant to what goes into most things. Um, so the... The hardest part, I think, is learning how to really manage those expectations and make sure your customer is taken care of appropriately when they need to be taken care of and managing what they are expecting out of you to match what you're capable of actually doing. Um, if that makes sense. That makes sense? It does. Um, I want to find out more about that. So you said how you make sure you're doing what you're really doing. I guess if there's like one thing you've learned in all your experience that you know now, and you could tell somebody starting out, what would you tell them? What, what have you learned that you could share to a new? That, that's honestly probably an easy, easier one than it should be too. The number one thing I think everyone needs to learn how to do is how to say no. 
um, right? So when, when a customer's expectations are unrealistic or you're setting yourself up for failure, you've got to learn how to say no. Um, we don't want to turn away business by any means, right? Especially if you're a new company and you're, you're starting off and you, you really you, got, you want to say yes to everything because it's the difference between getting a paycheck or not sometimes, right? Well, when you're new, you've got to say yes a little more frequently. But once you start developing good clientele, good user base, and, and they're, they're coming back for shirts more frequently, you need to make sure that you're cutting ones that are not easy to work with, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I've learned this through multiple different avenues, including at the Print Hustlers Conference a few years ago. There's the 80-20 rule, right? Sure. So you find that um, the top 20% of your, uh, your customer base really accounts for 80% of your revenue. Right. So that's really where you got to focus on the ones that are repeat customers that come through and you can rely on. Now, new customers are going to be part of that, too, and they're very helpful. But if you're finding that someone is always a pain, they're always nickel and diming you, they're always trying to spend the most amount of time to, to bug you for the least amount of revenue you're getting off of jobs. You should learn to say no to them, learn to let them know like this. Hey, I, I, I want to work with you. but You're making it harder for me to do my job effectively and I can't do this. I'm running a business. If they really don't appreciate you running a business and handling it like a business professional, then they've got lots of other problems, right? So learning learning how to say no to customers, especially unruly customers, is is a big big deal. You know, yeah, that's not, so learning to say no sounds like a crucial skill, and you've kind of hit on this a little bit, but I'm kind of wondering how do you learn what to say yes to? How do you learn what your niche is or what you should focus on? Yeah, that's a great question. So learning how to say yes and no kind of goes off of like what what pillars or what foundation do you have as a company or as a print shop, right? Um, so right or wrong, what, I, what I've always kind of talked about is a print shop can realistically be one of three things. Now, those three things are going to be the fastest, the cheapest, or the best, right? Pick one. That's your pillar. Pick another one that you want to work toward know you're never going to really achieve that right now this is not going to be like a firm foundation like really like a foundation really is where it, it holds the house up and that's how it is but you need to align yourself every year or so look at that and make sure it aligns with your customer base um, so for example if you're going to set yourself to say i'm going to be the best great well then if a customer comes through and they want to have a 14 color sim process job and they want it on a rush order tomorrow. Okay. Well <laughs> then you can do that. You can be the best maybe, but now you're talking about being the fastest. So if you're going to get that done fast, you're definitely not going to be cheap. So make sure you're accounting for that cost, whatever that cost is going to be to keep the, keep things going later in night, do all those things, make sure you're accounting for that cost. Also decide if that's what you want to do. If it's not what you need to do, then don't do it. Let them know, hey, I'm, I take pride in, in the work I do. I want to be the best. I know that I can make this print the best, not by tomorrow, right? And if that, they go, oh, well, I, I'm okay with it being bad. Well, I'm not okay with my quality being bad, so no thanks. Or, okay, that's fine. Then we're going to go ahead and get it out tomorrow, but it's going to cost you, right? So make sure you figure out which one of those three things you really want to be and then own that. Now, that goes without saying as well. If you're new and you're saying, I want to be the best, but then you're finding that your clientele is coming through, they only need two, three spot color stuff and they need it for cheap. Well, then you're not really aligned with what the needs of your, your area are. 
Now, it doesn't mean that you can't be. It just means that you need to do some more work on your end to get the customer base that works with what you're aligned to try to do. So if if you said, I'm going to be the best and every, everybody want, wants just fast, well, then figure out, am I in the mm -hmm. wrong location for what I want to get done? Am I marketing to the wrong people? How do I adjust that flow to make it make more sense? Or maybe you're wrong, right? Maybe you're going to have a lot more success not being the best, but being pretty good, but being the fastest, right? So then charge for that. You can be you can be really fast. If someone comes to you once at 14 color, you're like, that's not what I do. But dumb this down a little bit to a three, four color, I'll have this by tomorrow, right? So make sure you align what you're trying to get done with what you have the opportunity for in your area. Don't feel like you have to pigeonhole yourself, though. Go with your gut and what you really expect your growth to be and where your passion lies. But don't be so hard-nosed that you also refuse growth because maybe you need to look backwards and look in the mirror a little bit and decide what is the best for my shop and my growth. Yeah. Yeah. It, so it sounds like it's a push and a pull. Like you said, it, you're evaluating it every year, but it also kind of reminds me about what you were saying at the top where it really feels like you have your feet in the artist sphere and your feet in the sales sphere. And I, as a sales professional, I'm more in, on the sales side, but it seems like that pivot, day to day can be kind of tricky. Um, I guess it, def it definitely is. I mean, those are competing parts of the brain, right? So, I mean, anybody who's, who owns a, a print shop, a uh, decorated apparel shop, they, they're, they're dealing with both those sides of the brain that are going to be competing at all times. And it's, it, I always, I always make a joke that I liken a, a good um, owner of a shop as a tight, uh, a high, high rise uh, tightrope walker. Right. Because they're just having this balancing act of like keeping the customers happy, keeping things going. It, it, it's, it's challenging. Amos is not challenging is, is lying or not successful because they haven't gone through the struggles. Right. Um, so it's definitely channels of very competing parts of the brain. Um, but that's also what makes it fun. Right. You, you, you've got every day there's, there's new, new challenges that you get to figure out how to fix. And eventually you start getting pretty good at making those, those judgment calls. They get thrown at you. Yeah, um, let's go deep in, in on the sales process, the more sales side of it. Because I see yeah. some folks in the questions, are, they got some good questions, we're definitely gonna hit on those. But I gotta ask the easiest one first. When you're starting out, how do you get people to say yes? How do you get people to say yes to the job? Well, you probably know this better than I do, Mr. Salesman of the Century over here. Um, but uh, honestly, it just put yourself in their shoes, right? Mm -hmm. um, who, who would you want to have come sell, sell to you, right? So um, first off, I would say if you're, if you're starting off as a smaller shop, you want to figure out your niche, figure out where you're comfortable. If you're a comic book nerd, awesome, that's great. Start off with comic book shops, right? If you're not at all a handy person, maybe don't try to go to the local lumber yard and go talk them up to try to get their sales. Could you do it? Absolutely. Should you be afraid of doing it? Absolutely not. But if you're just starting off, go where you're comfortable. Go where you have something in common because you have that in common. Now, you can go bigger picture with that, and you can say that you don't have to pigeonhole yourself again to only comic book shops. If you live in a, a smaller town, even a bigger town, right, you've got town pride. You can go anywhere in that town, and you have that in common. So find what binds us all together and riff on that. Work with them on that. Also, Sales is a lot like the seventh grade dances that we all had to go through and the, how awkward they were, right? 
don't be afraid of rejection, right? So if you go somewhere and you 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 try to you think it's gonna be good, you go in there, you want to drop off a business card, talk it up, and they just kind of blow you off. That's okay. Pick yourself back up and go back in there again in a month, right? Get their card, get their name, go to the car, make a little note about them. Like, yeah, Jimmy wasn't the friendliest, but he didn't yell. And the next time you, Jimmy was a little friendlier. He talked for two minutes. It's like, all right, get out of here, right? And so you start breaking Jimmy down, right? He starts being a little more kind, easygoing. You develop a relationship. This is this is all about friendships and relationships, right? You want to actually trust somebody that's going that you're going to give money for a process for. So building those relationships is really really important. So um, I, I would say just put yourself in their shoes and try to find a way to align who you are with who they are. Um, let them talk. That's a huge thing. As you can tell, people love to talk about themselves, right? So give them the opportunity to talk about themselves. If you are that comic book nerd and you really do want to go land that lumberyard contract, go over there and ask them questions. Get them excited about what they do and let them share their passion with you. You're going to learn some things, which is a huge, huge benefit, silver lining, right? You get to learn something new. But then they also remember that you were excited about something they're excited about. You're developing the relationships. Now, you're leveraging those relationships later on to help both of you make money, but you're also building a real solid relationship. Yeah, totally. It's the relationships. And one thing I just want to highlight from what you said is it's also following up. Like you go to the comic shop and the guy's rude the first time, but you go and he's nice the second time because you got to go more than one time. You know, nobody's going to remember that you're printing custom apparel if you just tell them once, but they're going to remember if you tell them 10 times. And then maybe on that 10th time when you tell them, you hit them up on the day they happen to need it. So it seems that, that is, that is so true. I, I had years of doing the, uh, the the road work of going into print shops. And uh, I mean, if I drove by a shop that I didn't know existed before, I saw it there, I'd slam on the brakes, make the U-turn and go in there. And be like, hey, Hey folks, how you doing? I this is what I do. This is what I sell. Oh, we don't need it. Okay, like okay, I'll, I'll keep trying. They send me back out, but it always happens that eventually, when they need something, there I am. Right? It's like when uh, when you're driving around a new neighborhood, right? And you're like, you, you never notice the barbecue spot in the neighborhood until the day you're hungry for barbecue, right? You're like, ooh, has that been there all along? And you go, right? So be the person that shows up, and when they need something, they're gonna think of you. T-shirt. Everyone needs T-shirts, right? There's, they're gonna be thinking about, oh, I got a family reunion, and then you walk in. I do T-shirts. Oh, I can make this a much better family reunion, right? So, showing up frequently and being a person that they remember. Nick, the shirt guy. Nick, the shirt guy. Nick, the shirt guy. Right? Eventually, you're Nick, the shirt guy. Right? You're not just gonna be the guy that come, came in once, and I was like, all right, get out of here. So, showing up, being okay to get the, the cold shoulder, getting blown off, right? Though it's it's an important thing to get used to, um, be reasonable. Like if someone's like really crass about it, and like don't go again. Well, then don't show up again, right? Don't don't get shot. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but usually just just showing up, being friendly. Also, use what you have. We all have a aligning factor right now. We're all going through a worldwide pandemic. So, there's an opportunity a real opportunity for real questions and real humanity. Go to your local local business and ask them, how are you folks doing? You surviving okay? Right? Just start that conversation off. Just developing that relationship with your community 
And maybe that those first one or two times, you don't even really sell that you're doing t-shirts. You're just making sure your community is okay. That's going to also help make relationships. So I don't want to say capitalize on a pandemic because that sounds awful, but we can all capitalize on going through things together and all make money together to all move ahead together. So use what you have, use what you're given and just be real, be kind and make friends. Love it. We got two questions from the crowd about sales. I'm going to give you the easy one first. I think you'll know the answer right off the top of your head. What's a good way for shops to track sales or quotes that are still outstanding? Is there any maybe simple shop management software you could think of that could be helpful for that? I wish I could think of. Um, hmm. Printavo. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, aside from the fact that, uh, yes, I'm paid to be here right now, right? Aside from that, it, it, it makes the whole world difference. I do not have a memory that can remember a million different things, right? So if you're working in a quotes pipeline and you send somebody a quote and you don't have a way of tracking that, that you've sent a quote, you're going to lose quotes. They're going to go out into the ether. They never get responded to. Maybe you sent an email and you're trying to keep things all on a spreadsheet. Well, what happens if somebody has something happen that night and they forget to check their email and now all of a sudden it's 30 emails down and you forget too because you're already on to four other quotes. That's a lost opportunity, right? So having Brentavo and having the ability to organize a sales pipeline is huge. I love in Brentavo having the pipeline where I've got quote out for approval, second approval request, follow up approval, like different, I can see in different stages where in my pipeline how many times has that, has that customer been touched? How, how many outreaches have I had with them? And that way I know where to kind of start sweeping up those jobs and reach back out to them or drop them off. They're, they're not going to, they're not going to come through. So keeping a sales pipeline is very, very important when it comes to managing your sales. Yeah, totally. I work out of a CRM all day and Matt earlier said, you know, getting sales is relationships. Well, CRM stands for customer relationship manager. So when you go out and you make those contacts and you talk to the guy in the comic shop, you could write in Printavo, here's the comic shop, here's what I said to him last time. So the next time you come in, you don't ask him the same question and look like a dork. You know, keeping track of those in a systemic way is really what's gonna make it easier to know who to go after and who to follow up on. And that's also an option in, in Printavo. You can keep customer notes in Printavo right there. Um, also, Everyone's got a, a phone, right? I'd say 95% of people in this room have a smartphone. So you've got the ability to make notes. So if you've got nothing else, take good notes, right? Have that conversation. When you leave that room, open up a note app and just make notes, right? Talk about what you talked about. Leave those little important facts, what you discussed in there. That's huge, right? It might not matter to, to you in that moment, but when you walk back in three months later and you go, Jim, last time we talked, you let me know you're going to have a baby soon. How's the baby? <laughs> well, now you've opened up a whole new dialogue where Jim's going to be like, it's great or it's awful, right? And then now you've developed more relationship, more things to talk about. So it's really, really important to, to keep good notes. Having a CRM is huge. I work in a CRM every day too. They, they, are, they are huge. It helps manage the relationship. And it doesn't make it fake. It makes it more accurate, right? So I'm, I'm a big fan of CRMs. If you can get your hands on one, use it. Like I said, Printavo's got a great feature. You have your customer notes. 
built in on the premium tier. They've got little reminders. You can set reminders for it. Like if Jim's having a baby, it's a reminder. Jim's going to have a baby. And instead of time, it'll trigger me to go, Oh, I just sent him a gift card. I should do something nice for Jim. Right? So that's huge management relationships. And once again, you're running a business. You don't have all the bandwidth mentally to keep track of all those things. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose things if you try. Mm -hmm. Yep. So true. And then think about it too, this way, if you go into gym shop and you don't mention the baby, how weird would that be? That'd be so weird. So definitely. It, it, yeah. Uh, now I'm going to jump in real quick. Travis has asked a great question. Mm -hmm. What size shop revenue wise is good fit for Printavo? Um, yep. There's, we already got Printavo response. Uh, honestly, my response to this though, um, any size, any size. And the reason why uh, I've got some shops I, I work with that one man shops, right? And they're on Printavo premium. They're paying the, full kit and caboodle, and they're a one-man shop on a manual. But what does that do, right? That gives them the opportunity to get almost two people's worth of work done with one person, right? So that difference they're paying to have the premium account is saving them the ability to have to hire another body, which that costs a lot of money. We all know that labor is very, very expensive. So having that in there saves them the ability to have to hire that person and get more done. I think if you're, if you're printing at all, and you've got any amount of orders coming through, Printavo is something that is good for your shop. Now, if you're thinking, mm, it's going to be a little too technical if I can pull it off, challenge yourself. Use that as the motivation. I got to cover I got to cover my, my Printavo membership costs every month. I'm going to go hustle to make sure I cover that. Well, there's a will, there's a way, right? So honestly, I think any size shop can benefit and really will benefit. And the sooner you start off, the sooner you're developing really good habits to run your shop. You're, you're using QuickBooks, right? You're, you're using Printavo. You're managing the process. You're managing the customer relations. You're starting off. You're, you're planting a little forest of good, healthy seeds. That way, as you grow, you continue to flourish as opposed to having to maybe bootstrap it and have it done in a million different ways that as you grow, you've not got to spend time going backwards to adjust those processes to make them more successful. Now... Yeah, totally. It's much easier to start a process than to go have to rip it up. Now, here's a question that I want to touch on. It might, it might even be its own subject for a webinar. But Marquise is wondering, when is a good time to hire a sales rep? We're talking about Printavo maybe taking some of the burden off. But when would be a good time to hire someone solely focused on bringing new orders in the door? Uh, great question. That's going to all be dependent upon the shop. If you're a shop owner and you're not good at sales, that's a problem, right? You're not going to have business coming in unless you have sales. So at that point, I would say now's the time, right? Now, if you are a, a shop owner who's already good at sales and you're kind of the, the main person in sales, well, then maybe you can wait a little bit longer or you can also look at leveraging relationships you have in networks. So when hiring a salesperson, I really like to think about instead of hiring, why don't you leverage your network, right? So we all have friends. We all have Facebook, Instagram, all those things. Go talk to the people who seem to always be in the know, always seem to be like up in it. They, they're always like you see them, they're, they're living their best life on Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. And you're friends with them. Reach out to them. Let them know. Hey, I got my business. I'm trying to grow it. You seem like you know the people. Why don't we work on a connection here where you bring work in and I give you a percentage of the profits, right? So now you're doing a profit sharing opportunity where you can say, hey, you get the work for me. I give you 30% of the profit. And all they have to do is be who they are and go out and talk you up. 
There's lots of ways to hire to hire salespeople or to leverage your network of who you know to help bring work in. And yeah, there is a great podcast about hiring your first sales rep that Luke's kind enough just to drop right there. I definitely recommend listening to that, Marquise. Yeah, totally. And I think Matt hit on something really good that I don't want to get lost in the shuffle there. It's okay to do a profit sharing, to pay on commission only. You know, that might actually incentivize them to bring more orders in the door. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in, in the world of constant side hustles, that's perfect. A lot of people don't don't have the ability to, to take a full-time job, but they got the ability to work a couple extra hours to make a couple extra bucks. Exactly. Exactly right. Okay. So let with sales, let's say we got it. We won the deal. We got the we got the order. So tell us, we got the order. How the heck do we charge for this thing? How do we figure out how much it's gonna cost to print these shirts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get this question a lot too. Um there's there's a few answers to this, I guess. So the right answer is figure out your cost, right? So the, the, the full right answer is you look at what it costs. Now, if you've already been in business for a while, this is a lot easier than it sounds. Um, take your last your last month, your last quarter. Uh, the longer the, the time, the better. Uh, if you can go with a year, even better. So figure out what your actual overhead cost was. Everything, your supplies, uh, your brick and mortar, your electric, everything, right? And then divide it by how many shirts you printed. There you go. Now you know what your per shirt cost is. Now, if you don't have that much data to dive into, it can be a little bit harder. So what a lot of shops do, and it's not necessarily right, it, it can come back to bite you. But if you're just starting off brand new and you don't know where to go, there's options like hiring a consultant. Uh, there's great people out there that'll help you do that. I'm sure Richard Greaves would be happy to help you out with that. People like myself would be happy to help you out with that. There's a lot of people out there that are good at these things that can help you actually figure out those costs for your shop. But if you just, you, you know what, I'm just bootstrapping this right now. I want to get started. What a lot of shops do, and I, like I said, I want to really emphasize this is not the smartest way to do it, but it's a very popular way, and it usually is a good stepping stone. Find out what your competition costs, right? Go look at them. Figure out, once again, what is your pillar? The, the fastest, the cheapest, or the best? And then find the, the people who are around you that do that and are the same pillar, right? If you're the, trying to say that you're the best, you don't want to go match your pricing to the cheapest, right? So figure out which pillar you are and then find the shops that are similar. A lot of times I'll see people that just pretend to be a customer or send their spouse to go get pricing list. Get a pricing list and then do some fake orders in your system. Run, run 10, 15, 20 orders with that pricing just all on, on map and actually do it and see what your revenue looks like. See if you're in the net positive or what, what that cost is going to be. And then kind of adjust from there. You can also figure out, okay, this is where I think it needs to be. Make sure you put on your pricing guide, pricing subject to change, or even put pricing for month through month. And that way, if they were like, well, your pricing says this, but like finish reading, buddy. It says right there. No, sorry. And that way, as you grow, you can find out where it needs to be. I always think everybody should always price a little bit higher than they are, in my honest opinion. I think it's easier to price higher. And then if someone's really, really upset about the price, give them a little bit of a discount, right? Then when they come back, they're not surprised when it's the full price. Now, if you start off too low, then you find out I can't sustain a business like this. And they come back and all of a sudden you're 30% more. That's a harder pill to swallow for that customer. Where we start off high and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm early on into my career. You seem like somebody I'd like to keep working with. 
I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you 10% off in this one or 15% off in this one. And it's also another way to build that relationship with them, right? So you can kind of get an average of pricing around you, do some, do some math, see if it's going to work for you. And then I always say just buffer it a little bit more expensive just to make sure you're, you're covering your base. But revisit this. Definitely revisit this. Uh, there's some great podcasts out there. There's a great one from Rock recently with uh, Ryan Moore. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal. I'll see if uh, possibly Luke can find that link and drop it in there too. Um, going into the data of, of what it is to print. Um, and that's really, really important, right? Knowing what your actual print cost is. So if, if any of these 107 people that are in here are already running a shop has been in business for a year or more, I definitely, definitely recommend that you spend some time to figure out what your actual cost is per shirt. It will really make a difference on how you choose to spend that. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much, Luke, for dropping that in there. Uh, it'll really, really change change your scope on, on on what you're doing and why. Yeah, totally. I talk to people about this in context of Printable and our pricing calculator, but I've broken it down. And Matt, tell me what you think about this. I think this is a good, simple way to think about it. So you're looking at two things. You're looking at parts and you're looking at labor. As you print more pieces, you're going to get breaks. You can mark up that part, this blank shirt, this nice belt canvas shirt here. You're buying it from the vendor. Don't be afraid to mark it up. I can't tell you how many shops I've talked to that mm -hmm. say, I don't want to mark it up. I don't want the customer doesn't know that it's covering your cost of bringing the shirt in, dealing with the vendor. Yeah, somebody's saying 30%. I see anywhere from marking it up to 150 to 200% in our pricing calculator or 1.5 to 2 on a shirt that's $5 or below. So you could, you know, the three dollar shirt charge a customer six, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, your question right there. Thirty percent, thirty percent is a great, a great margin for sure. Um, but like Nick just said, I oftentimes will see uh, fifty percent to a hundred percent markup on all those things. It's not, um, it, you're not pulling a fast one on the customer. They don't have a wholesale account. They haven't gone through the work to make a business. You have. That's mm -hmm. that's part of the whole reason we get to do this, right? Um, so making sure you buffer that in there is, is really important. I think 30%, uh, Marcus, depends on how, on how, how big your shop is. Um, if, if you're a smaller shop, a manual shop, uh, it might be easier to compete with some of the large shops around you running automatics if you, if you lower that margin a little bit. Um, but yeah, don't, don't be afraid to take that. Once again, if you also make it 50% and they scoff a little bit, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll drop 10% down. Well, you're still 10% more than you were offering now, right? So don't be afraid to do that either. Yeah, and so, okay, you can wiggle on the markup of the garment, right? I talk to a lot of shops who tell me they try not to wiggle on the cost of production. So, like Matt said, it's it's a lot of things. It's ink, it's the lights, it's the gas, it's the rent. But here's something I try to tell small shops when we're talking about it. Like, Marcus, you, you say you're in a garage. Perfect. Because that's a strength. You don't have to necessarily pay a second rent on a manufacturing facility. So that also factors into your pricing. The fact that you have a garage space is actually a major advantage, in my opinion. Um, well, yeah, okay. So we're talking about the, the pricing. They might pay more. Who knows? Um, okay. What about keeping track of all these numbers, right? Not just Printable. Obviously, Printable keeps track of this number. But... What do you think? Do you think shops, somebody asked earlier, when should we be hiring a salesperson? Let me ask you a different question. When do you think a shop should be hiring an accountant? Day one. That day, day one. If you're an accountant, then don't hire one. You're already an accountant, right? 
Other than that, get an accountant. Um, it, you can find one pretty reasonably cheap to, in, in your town. You can also go online. There's a lot of online resources for, for digital accountants, uh, virtual accountants that'll do that stuff for you. That's huge. That's absolutely, they're going to be the ones accountable to help you figure out where you can make savings um, and what you can afford and, and spend the time actually balancing out your books. If you're not a numbers person and you're not a computer person and you're a true ink slinger, right? You want to spend time nurturing relationships and slinging that ink or working on your board machine, your DG machine, whatever that is. You want to do the things that are actually creating revenue. You don't want to spend the extra time that you want to try to spend with your family or get out of the shop on a reasonable hour doing those things. Hire that accountant. They are worth their weight in gold. You can easily offset the cost of an accountant with the write-offs and all things you're going to be able to do, um, it, especially when it comes to write-offs. You deal with all the big the big name companies, they've got account, at least one accountant, right? Because they're finding all the different ways they can take advantage of different tax brackets, different um, ordinances, different things that allow you to do write-offs. You're not going to know those. Sure, you can have your TurboTax, and I don't, I don't want to talk too much smack about TurboTax, but it's not going to be able to actually look at you and go, oh, here's something else we could do. People that are that are constantly learning the tax tax laws are the ones that are going to be able to help you the most. And those are going to be accountants. So get an accountant on day one. Mm -hmm. That will save you on the long long run immensely. And once again, if you're if you're if you're in that garage shop and you're going, I don't know if I can afford an accountant, and I don't know if I can afford Brentavo. Yeah, you can use those things to motivate you, right? I got to cover my cost. I got to cover my cost. You're going to hustle for a bit. And it's going to be hard saying I got to cover my cost. But once you keep hustling, you're not going to start being able to cover that cost and then some, right? And you're going to be happy that you started off with those healthy seeds to begin with, like running shop managed software, running your CRM, right? Uh, having an accountant to do these things, keeping you focused on what you're good at and what your passion is. Yeah, totally. It, I feel like this is resonating. The chat's going going off real real crazy. Uh, uh, honestly, Jess, I would hire an accountant before anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would because um, you're not gonna. It's, you're not hiring a full time employee, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you're a big shop, you are. You're you're hiring someone to spend an hour or two a week on the books, right? Um, and that's very easily done virtually. Um, so for for me, yes, I would say that I would I would if I'm running a, a smaller manual shop the first person that I'm looking to pay any money to is that accountant. Yeah. And Bruce, I feel like this is related. So Bruce is asking, how should you be raising your prices? Should that be regular? I kind of think maybe the accountant can give some, some thoughts to that too. But what do you think, Matt? Should raising prices be a regular practice? Yeah. I mean, don't we have inflation as an economy happen every year? Don't we see the price of things continue to grow? Um, so absolutely. And I think it's really important earlier on the top, I said, to make sure that your pricing guide includes what that pricing time is for. Now, maybe it's a yearly price, maybe to say 2020 pricing right there. And then 2021 mm -hmm. comes out and it's like, you're running my old pricing sheet. That's not going to happen. I think every, at least every year, you need to increase your pricing because you're also growing as a company, right? So it's every year you get better and better. Your service is getting better and better. So I also do own a small print shop. It's, it's a manual shop. And I've had this happen to me, right? Where like early on into the print shop, it was like, okay, let's go ahead and just knock this job out. And it was very low, right? And then five years later, the guy comes back around out of the ether. And I was like, you still alive? Look at this guy. And he comes back with that old, like handwritten up quote, right? It's like, All right, I want this again. It's like, okay, cool. Same amount of pieces. Let me requote you. It was drastically higher. Well, what is this? 
that's my price. Well, that's not going to work. You, you did that last time for this price. Uh, okay, well, my, my pillar is not to be the cheapest. My pillar is I, I want to be the best, and I can work on having a good turn time for you. That was five years ago. The print quality from five years ago versus now is drastically different. My overhead's drastically different. Sorry, no. That's a good example when it's really important to learn how to say no, right? It would not have it would not have helped me at all. Do I really do I want the guy to have his shirts? Of course. Do I miss him as a customer for me saying no and him going elsewhere? N no, no, because he's going to go beat up my competition to lower their prices and waste their time. So, sayonara, right? Um, so, yeah, I think it's important to reevaluate frequently. Um, if if you say you want to do yearly yearly price changes, but half of the year you move to another building and you bring on a new automatic press and three new employees. Don't finish the year out make new pricing then, right? Make sure you can, you can cover your overhead. You're going to get better at what you do. You're going to offer better services. I'm not saying it's going to be a, a giant jump, but you definitely need to make sure that you're upping, upping your, your amount. Um, Pertavo, Jess, isn't it a minimum? Yeah. Uh, I, I think 1.3% yearly minimum for sure. I think traditionally what I've seen the most is usually about a three to a 5% increase year over year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Those are great numbers. 1.3 at the minimum three or five is an average. So get your pens out. That's a good one. Um, we're getting some other questions in the chat. We're getting close to time. I want to talk about the printing community. You've mentioned it a few times. You said, what is contract printing? Or you said contract printing. What is contract printing? What the heck is it? Why should we care about contract printing? What is that? Yeah. So contract printing has really evolved um, and for the better, in my opinion. So traditionally, contract printing a lot of times was going to be a shop that only worked as a contract. So, for example, uh, the eight auto six manual shop that I was uh, lucky enough to be production manager of for about five years um, was only contract meaning that you could not come off the street with a, a suitcase full of money and say, I want shirts printed. Didn't matter, right? At the time, it was still a very strict contract or directed customer. There's a line in the sand and you didn't play on both sides of that fence. So they had to go through uh, either a, a big company that used collective bargaining to say, hey, we've got a network of 5,000 people that are all getting sales and we're going to leverage our ability to gather sales to do collective bargaining to get a bunch of different shops to agree to do work for a lower price, right? And so that way they would basically say, I don't need salespeople. I'm just going to have them be my salespeople. And I collect the work and the money, but I make a less less margin on that. Um, not a bad way to go. And that was honestly the way that the print world worked for the longest time, the 80s and 90s, even in the early aughts. Those were heavy, heavy contract world times where everyone was living the high life. Everyone was making money. It was, it was good to go. Um, but that world, like every world, also has its negative sides. So where you had plenty of really good people that worked very hard to be the contractors that were going and getting the work and then sharing it to the shops, you also had people that were just getting their ASI number, their PPAI number, right? And they were becoming contractors. And they were just some sleazeball snake oil salesmen that are out there getting work. And they're collecting a big chunk of the money to do nothing other than kind of hold a relationship. A lot of times it wasn't even that good of a relationship and taking advantage of people. Um, so you have to be careful with that. Um, but I mentioned there's an evolution in contract and what, what I'm seeing the most of now, and I love it, is shops contracting to other shops, right? 
So where there was that line in the sand about how you're a contract shop or you're a direct to customer shop, that's no longer a line, right? Every shop's doing a bit of both and it's, it's okay to do that. It's actually a good idea to, to have both. I don't like to say that it's, it's good to put more than 20% of your eggs in any, any basket. So a contract basket or one big customer basket, don't do that. Less, 20, less than 20% just to make sure if they just pull their chunk, you're still good. Don't, don't, get, don't get held underneath that. But if you're also a smaller shop, right? So let's go back to that, that, that gentleman's garage shop. He's getting some great, great work done. All of a sudden, somebody comes through like, hey, you've nailed my last three orders that were all 72 pieces. I got a thousand piece order for you. Well, he cannot tell them no. <laughs> What's going to happen then? Right now, I did say learn to say no. That's not a time to say no. It's time to say awesome. Yes. Right. And you and you quote it out. Now, during that quoting process, you are going to figure out, okay, one, do you want to spend like six days hating yourself printing a thousand shirts? Which if you are able to do that, do it. And honestly, if you've never done that before, do it for real. Do it. Now, if you've done it before, then don't do that again. Right. So reach out to the shops around you or reach out to a shop that you look up to on Instagram that you that you always are liking their, their, their pictures, right? Reach out to them and let them know, hey, I just landed a thousand piece of order. I don't want to knock out on my on my Hopkins, right? Can I send this to you? Can I outsource this to you? Would you give me some contract pricing? Shops are usually going to say absolutely and they're going to do that for you. And if they don't want to do it, then find somebody else who will. They're going to be happy for that. And I've seen it work the other way around too, where after they do that thousands job for the garage shop, then all of a sudden that big shop is bogged down doing a couple 10,000 piece runs. And they got somebody coming through the 72 piece order that they want to make sure they can get. And they'll reverse contract out. They'll hit up the guy in the garage shop. Be like, dude, you will knock us out for our customer. I want to make sure I take care of them. And they'll actually help outsource that work too. So it's really, really important to understand what contract printing is it's just printing on a contract agreement, right? So the, the idea of the contract is that you're not going to reach out to that customer directly, right? Don't be a jerk. That's a life lesson. Don't be a jerk, right? So if 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 someone comes to you and they're like, hey, can, can I outsource this to you? Can I contract this to you? You're going to see who it's going to all that stuff. Don't go after their business then. And that does happen. And you're going to get burnt a couple times from some bad printers. So when you learn that, all right, well, then... Don't be afraid to share your opinion about what that shop does when you're talking about shops, people, right? Uh, it'll come back to bite them. So it, it's been a, a really fun evolution to see uh, that line in the sand just dissipate completely and now have shops being able to help each other and help the customer base across across the board. Matt, let me get in the weeds a little bit. You want to hit up a shop on Instagram or Facebook group or something like that. What's a good template? How do you say it? How do you tell them what you need to tell them? Don't overthink it. Just be yourself. I mean, and everybody loves compliments. So if it's somebody you actually like, slide into the DMs and tell them, I dig your work. You guys are killer. You give me motivation every day. I've, I've met um, I'll, uh, some shops that, that I, I love now and I'm lucky enough to call friends that I haven't even met in, in person ever, right? Got shops in, in, in New York, California, all over the place that I've not been able to go to, but I feel like I feel like they're family. I feel like I know them. I feel like I've been in their shops. All from just reaching out on, on Instagram and be like, hey, I don't know you, but you are killing it. This print is rad. Keep doing what you're doing. It keeps me motivated. That's awesome. That's true. And then they've come back and been like, dude, awesome. I, I had no idea who you were. Looked it up. You seem like you're awesome too. And then before you know it, you start having that relationship. 
it's I love and hate the social media world, right? Um, because you get loud people just making a mess and screaming things all over Facebook and Instagram. But you also have the ability to uh, close that gap between people, right? You can you can bridge over any amount of land in seconds. That's use that. Don't don't be afraid and be real. People love being real. So don't be afraid to reach out and tell them what you think and why you love it. And if they don't want to respond, that's okay. That's that's fine. Then there's going to be more people you can reach out to. So don't be afraid to use that and leverage that relationship then when you do need someone to outsource to. Love it. Two things there I want to point out. Matt said proactively give compliments. So before you need the contractor, give some compliments. It's that easy. And then the other thing was uh, make sure to add some compliments. It softens the blow of, of the business conversation. So, you know, I love the prints you just posted. By the way, I got uh, a thousand prints I need to make. Maybe I could come in, use your automatic. Maybe you could cut you into the money, however it works. Two good tips there. Two really good tips. Um, we are getting closer to the end here. We want to we want to be respectful of folks' time. But we got a, a few minutes left. Let's go through. Um, there was one really good question. I'm actually going to read some of the answers from the chat. Travis asked, what are your favorite books? I've already read the Prince Albert book. I've already read Profit First. Um we got to shout out to Ryan that book. Love that little green book. What's it called, man? I can't remember. What's it? Make it. Uh, ten. Look at it. Okay. Um, There's I, one, of my favorite bo- oh, one of wait. my favorite books is a very technical book that I had only read snippets of until our good friend in the chat here, Richard Greaves, shared, a, shared it with me, uh, a full PDF that I've, I've been lucky enough to have. Um, and that was Control Without Confusion, um, which uh, is a phenomenal book all about the, the process of printing. Um, I had some old notes of it back in the day that I kind of read through. Um, and it, it, it's every screen print nerd's dream. It just goes through all, all the different uh, variables and how to control them. I don't even know. Richard might be able to comment here. I don't even know if you can buy it anywhere anymore. But that's always been one of my, one of my absolute favorite, favorite reads when it comes to uh, printing. There's also a really good book, just the history of screen printing that I've got as a coffee table book. Um, mm. That is, it's thick, but it's the full history of screen printing, and it goes back to every every, every iteration of screen printing from the early putting ink through leaf days. Uh, definitely work it. The history of screen printing. That is a really good book. Uh, whenever we visit shops for trade shows or in the area, almost always you find a copy of that book sitting either on the owner's desk or it's a really good book. So other books mentioned in the chat that we should shout out Traction. Traction, a few people mentioned. May um, mentioned Radical Candor, and it helps with managing a team. And then, oh, Richard, uh, he, he also shouted another book out, Two Second Lean, and he offered the link to get it for free. So check out in the chat. You'll see Two Second Lean, and, and that's a great idea, too. I'll see Ryan uh, mentioning, uh, I really enjoyed the subtle art of not giving a bleep. That is a phenomenal read. That is one of my favorite books that I've read in the last like three years. It is really important. It doesn't have anything to do with screen printing or sales. It's just a life lesson, right? And the whole idea is not don't give up, right? It's learning how much to give, right? So it's obviously there's a swear in the title. So of course I was drawn to it because I'm a (laughs) child at heart. Um, But it's a really, really good read. He takes a really interesting look at at how different places in the world react differently to different things based on what they've learned sociologically, right? Um, so yeah, definitely also love that book a lot. I Yeah, I've also read that one and I think 
It does. Richard, yes, Control Without Confusion. He just shared that. There you link. go. Everybody go to that link and read as much of that as you can possibly. Richard's a man. Thank you so much. That it, it, it is, it's, it's a hard read. It's a nerd read, but it's a phenomenal, phenomenal read. Um, and then Steve from also dropped the history of screen printing. Uh, thank you for dropping that link in there, too. Awesome, awesome links. Yep, yep. And the subtle art and not giving a bleep, you know, I feel like it could really help develop some of the long-term mindset that we've been hitting at a little bit in the in the chat here today. You know, learning how to say no is is a little bit in that book. Learning how to not care about the customer who's bugging you because you're really thinking about the five-year growth plan, the 10-year growth plan, upgrading the press and all that stuff. Um, maybe one more question. Maybe we have time for one more question. Is there anything we didn't touch on that folks? Oh, by the way, this is a, we're hoping for this to be a reoccurring series. So if we haven't touched on your question, no worries. We're going to look at the chat. We're going to plan another uh, conversation coming up here soon. We got time. For While we're on that subject too, oh, real right. quick, we also would love feedback on when to do these, right? So we mm -hmm. kind of chatted out and we thought, okay, maybe we should do this at 530 or right? the day ends. So you stick around, you crack open a beer and you get to hang out. Is this the best time to do this? Would you rather it be during the work day? Um, so any comments you can give us on, on that kind of stuff would be huge. Then, of course, we're going to go back and look through the transcripts and any questions that we weren't able to get to. We're going to use those as content for future future uh, universities. Uh, so please let us know in the comments if this time works, this day works well, or if you've got any better ideas on when we might be able to actually help more people be able to get questions answered. Yeah, yeah. Any last minute questions? Any one more? You know what? I got one. I got a good one. Matt, you've been, you mentioned you started working at Printavo two months ago. What's been your favorite thing so far? Honestly, the, the, my favorite thing about all this is getting to learn more about more printers and learn their success story. Every shop, you can say every shop's the same because at the end of the day, there's a lot of similarities, but every shop is unique. And the story that how they got there is also unique. The best part of my career choices I've made in general, uh, including Printavo, is the ability to share in that experience, right? I get to, either if it's on a phone call or if I get to go in the shop, I get to jump on that person's path and walk with them. Maybe it's only for 45 minutes, maybe it's for a day, whatever it might be. That is awesome. The ability for someone to, to start from scratch and make something and run with it is an awesome story that everyone should hear. I'm so lucky to be able to kind of be, I like to call it a bubble hopper, right? Every shop is its own little bubble. And I've been lucky enough to be able to hop between bubbles, right? I get to, I get to look behind the curtain, right? It's like going to the car show and like opening the engine up and being like, oh yeah, look at that engine. Like I get to see the engines of everyone's print shops and share the knowledge they're sharing with me. So my favorite part of Printavo is that this place is so so great when it comes to being a sponge for knowledge and then so happily using the knowledge that we're sponging up to give out to everybody else. So it, it, it's a cheesy answer, um, but my favorite part of, of working for Padavo is every day when I get to talk to talk to the users. That's perfect. I think that's a great way to end our first episode of Printavo University, but not our last. Like Matt was saying, we want feedback. We want to know when you guys want to do this. We want to know what you want to talk about. I saw a little bit in the chat, some folks are asking about vinyl. Maybe that's something we could talk about. Maybe making the transition from part-time to full-time. That's another thing we might be talking about. But if you enjoyed this, thank you so much for watching. We'd love to um, see you back here. We hope to 
keep doing this and keep hanging out and keep answering questions. And like we said at the start, grow your business. We really do want to see people's business grow because now's the time to do it. Um, well, yeah, thank you so much, everybody. Thanks again for coming. And we will see you again soon. All right. See you later. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye-bye.